You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. National Signing Day, and that is the topic of episode 216 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We're going to go into all of the signees today for Virginia Tech who are going to be coming to Blacksburg, some of the new additions, some of the flips away from the Hokies, and look at what they're going to bring to Coach Pry's new program. All of that and much more coming up on episode 216 of the Tech Sideline podcast, which starts right now. Welcome into episode 216 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. However you're listening, whether that's archived on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or if you are on our YouTube channel. If you are, please like, comment, and subscribe to the Tech Sideline YouTube channel. And if you're in the live stream, leave a comment or question for Will and Chris, and we will get to those with Katie at the end of the show. As always, the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. You can help bring more Olympic hopeful athletes to the best and fastest growing program in the country. More wrestlers coming to a program that's already off to a hot start in their 2021-22 season. Go to southeastrtc.com to learn more and donate today. Big podcast today, National Signing Day today. Hokies have already signed 18 players to their class. We expect two more to come later on today. We have our usual Wednesday crew on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of Tech Sideline across the way. To my right, lead analyst and columnist Chris Coleman. In the fourth chair today, Katie Adams, the new host of the Tech Sideline Around the ACC show. If you haven't checked that out, that came out last week, the first episode, and they'll come up with more episodes in the future. She does a great job in the fourth chair as always. Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. And I am your host, Jake Lyman. We got a big show today, guys. It's been a while, though. Uh, you guys have been busy, I'm sure, getting set for National Signing Day today. Yeah, I guess we had a staff meeting on Friday and decided we were going to do some video stuff. So we kind of <laughs> threw it together uh, uh, at the last second. And then I sent out the email Sunday night. So mm-hmm. literally all the work was done Monday and Tuesday, getting stuff ready. So if if you just go to the website or just consume us on YouTube, go over to our video, our, our Twitter um, feed and look at the videos that we posted there as the, as the LOIs came in today. And Malcolm's also going to compile all of those videos into one video that he's going to post to YouTube and that's going to live on YouTube that just spends about a minute talking about each uh, prospect, our initial thoughts and some interesting anecdotes and things like that. Yep, if you want more in-depth analysis of all of the prospects today and you get to see some of the highlights too on those videos, You get to hear Katie's voice as well as uh, she introduces all of the players. Make sure you check those out. And again, that'll be on the YouTube channel probably later on today, I would assume, maybe tomorrow. Uh, That's up to our esteemed (laughs) producer who also has to produce another show after this one. Now, I do want to do another podcast note. Yes, we are aware that ex-coaches are still in our intro (laughs) and our outro. And Shelton Moss has produced new versions of the intro and the outro, which show members of the current coaching staff and, uh, 
also players who are actually sticking around and still playing football and basketball for Virginia Tech. So we'll have new intros and outros soon. So perfect. Uh, the last comment saying Justin Fuente is still in your, your intro and outro. So they're already on us. I'm they? sure they already are, and I'm sure they will be today uh, in the YouTube comments as well. Let's dive into National Signing Day 2022 class, according to 247 Sports, currently sitting 29th in the country, 4th in the ACC. That's up big from last year, 44th in the country and 10th in the ACC last year. Again, 18 players signed, expecting two more. We'll get into some of the bigger names, but let's start with, it's always fun on National Signing Day to see who flips where, and let's start with the positive flips for Virginia Tech. They steal two from their rival, Virginia, and the big one there is Brody Meadows, the three-star offensive tackle, 14th-ranked player in the state. That was a big move for Virginia Tech. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, Meadows, going back to the beginning of his recruitment way back in the ninth grade, is way more familiar with Virginia Tech than he is UVA. Um, I, so I, I'm I'm happy for that flip. I think he's one of those guys. He plays tackle in high school. I think he's probably better suited for guard at the, at the college level. Uh, Poor UVA. Oh, I say poor UVA. I don't feel bad for them at all, actually. But uh, they had their coaching change way after Virginia Tech. Uh, so they just had their press conference announcing their new coach like yesterday. Yep. Or I think. Monday. Or, or Monday. Monday. Within so, the week. So what kind of a staff do they have together right before signing day? Yeah. You know, they've got like one guy. Has he hired any assistance at all yet? I don't think I, so. I, don't I mean, really there's know. no way you sign right there with UVA right now. You have no idea who his assistants are going to be. And I actually think the early signing day is a bad idea, and they need to do away with oh, it. Oh, Chris it, and I can it, go off about it, this It needs for to be in mid-February. Uh, and, like, let all the coaching changes that are going to happen happen. and All the portal uh, entries. Uh, right, Not all of them, but, you Some know. of them, yeah, yeah. And just let everything settle down. Because right now you're asking 17-year-olds to make very quick decisions on a lot of information, and it's – change and the information's changing on a daily basis even an hourly basis and you know so it, it benefited virginia tech for a couple of guys and it hurt virginia tech for a couple of guys right. as you might expect and we'll dive into that with the flips that went the other way for virginia tech tough to recruit guys when they don't know who their offensive coordinator is going to be or their quarterback or their coach, running, running backs, backs coach. coach right uh and we'll get into that with alex orgy and ramon brown in a little bit here another uva flip Keyshawn burgos decommitted from uva i want to say last night maybe the night before it was a couple days ago i think it was also monday and then he signed with virginia tech as well today three-star edge rusher who another big addition for virginia tech and always good to take him away from virginia when you get two and one it would be interesting uh, to know, you know, he's been committed to UVA for a long time, and J.C. Price has been at, at Virginia Tech for this entire year now. Why did it take so long for them to for Virginia Tech to offer him? Um, was he not a fit for the Justin Hamilton scheme, but he's a better fit for the Brent Price scheme, or is it did he just blow up as a senior? And, and, and Virginia Tech really started to like him after they saw some senior film. I saw him at the Tech Wake Forest basketball game a couple weeks ago on his visit, and, you know, he's, he's a big guy with, with long limbs. He's an all-state wrestler. I think he was a state champion and wrestler some people were talking on our recruiting board today and uh i'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what the poster said he said he yes. saw he saw burgos wrestle in an event and the opposing team would not send their heavyweight out to wrestle against him because they didn't want their heavyweight to get hurt get hurt <laughs> and the guy said having seen him wrestle that was a really smart move <laughs> yeah so you know wrestlers generally understand leverage, leverage so he, right. he's going to come in with a better understanding of, of leverage than than most freshman football players i've heard he got a great work ethic too of course, yeah. I don't think you can be a state championship wrestler and not have a great work ethic. Wrestling is, and I, I've, I think wrestling is, if not the hardest collegiate sport, one of the hardest. No doubt. 
for sure. Because of having to cut weight and just it's just a, it's just a brutal. It, well, let's not get into that. Let's do signing day. I like talking about wrestling. We won't do that. Well, we love talking about wrestling. Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Uh, one more addition. I don't believe he's officially signed yet, but Hunter McLean, offensive lineman, teammate of Gunnar Givens, mm-hmm. uh, who was the highest-ranked Virginia Tech signee today from Lord Botetot. So another addition on the offensive line. Yeah, that seems kind of like the trend for Virginia Tech today is they signed a lot of guys in the trenches. A lot of linemen. Uh, you know, I have not had a chance to actually watch his film or anything like that uh, you know i know that's a well-coached program i know they've got a great strength and conditioning right. program so you know he'll, he'll come into virginia tech uh, pretty well prepared from a work ethic standpoint about what it what it's like on a daily basis to build yourself into a football player so i'm pretty sure he was pretty excited like he was gonna go to richmond he right? was committed to richmond he was committed to richmond and then all of a sudden out of the blue i guess not out of the blue because like tech had been recruiting him as a preferred walk-on yeah. and i'm sure they've been talking to him for the last couple of days and, you know, it might have come down to you didn't know what Ramon Brown was going to do. You didn't know what Alex Orgy was going to do. How many spots are you going to have? And, and if they leave, you've got a spot. Right, 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 right exactly. So and so I, maybe he – I think they just sent him an LOI today. And can you imagine getting that offer on signing day that you never had and you never yeah. had it before from the school that you really want to go to? So a couple of things. He committed, like, late morning. Um, mm-hmm. So – Katie, can you do us a favor and watch Twitter? And the reason I say that is he hasn't sent his LOI in yet. Gunnar Givens has. Yes. But Givens tweeted yesterday that he was going to do a signing at 2.30 today. And we went live with the podcast right around 2.30. So I wonder if they're doing the school thing and that uh, he's going to sign his LOI today. McLean. And I, I would assume that's probably the case. And then the other not the other commit who has not signed yet, Malachi Madison. I believe he said he's doing something around two thirty ish as well. I looked through his Twitter feed and didn't see anything. Maybe not. Yeah, so he's so. The, he's the only commit right now that we don't know officially what he's doing. Two have already pushed back their uh, their commitments to February, but we'll see what happens with Madison as well. Uh, Three additions today so far to the class. It feels like there's going to be more heading into that February signing day, especially with some of the the depth issues at certain positions. Could be transfer portal, could be some commitments from high school as well. I would say it's going to be both. Um, Probably with a lean towards the transfer portal, to be honest with you. Uh, I I think you identify positions of needs of need like if a high school wide receiver wanted to commit right now yes i would take him um but like if another defensive tackle wanted to commit you know probably not it looks like we got plenty of those right uh so i I do think tech will will especially as they continue to assemble their staff and bring in new coaches they're going to see how the dust settles after signing day sue see who is still out there unsigned and then evaluate those guys and see who's a fit for their scheme and system and everything like that so we've gone through some of the positive flips. Let's look at some of, we don't need to say negative, but flips away from Virginia Tech. And they were two pretty highly touted recruits. We'll start with Ramon Brown. He was the 11th ranked player in Virginia, running back out of Midlothian. He commits to Maryland last night and he signs with them today. Tough loss for Virginia Tech, but also looking, uh, you put this in your article on techsideline.com, a pretty good replacement for him as well in Bryce Duke out of uh, Northern Virginia. I mean, what, what was it like? 95 career rushing touchdowns for, for Bryce Duke, over yeah. 6,000 rushing yards. Yeah. Did he it's, run it's for 2,800 rushing yards this season? This yeah, season. This season. That's, <laughs> yeah, and like 36 touchdowns this season, or was it more than that? It was, I think it was 36 rushing and another five receiving this year. Yeah. It's, and so, I think that's something like 64. 
oh gosh, sixty four hundred yards in his career. Yeah, his numbers they don't even look real. They're video game numbers. Yeah, they really yeah. are on JV level. And and Pry when uh, today at his press conference, uh, Brent Pry said that when he came in and he was getting a lowdown on the recruits and he saw Bryce Duke's numbers, he said, "Are those real? <laughs> you know, so is is that legit?" And Duke won the uh, All Met Offensive Player of the Year, Washington Post All Met Offensive Player of the Year. That. That's a huge honor, and it tells you a lot about his yeah, talent. It is, and, and I don't like losing Ramon Brown or Alex Orgy, but put yourself in their position. Let's say you accepted a job with, with a company, and like a couple weeks before your starting date, the CEO, got, the CEO got fired, and the new CEO came in and fired everybody. All the <laughs> like vice all presidents. The, all the department heads <laughs> and everything. And then he calls you up and said, yeah, I still want you to work for us, but uh, – I don't know who your boss is going to be in, in your department. Uh, and by the way, like, and I'm not going to be able to hire him until after, until like two weeks from now, but you have to sign next week. <laughs> I mean, that would be a very, very difficult for you for situation for you to go into. And you've got other offers from and, other and, companies. And you have other yes. options, ex- exactly, yeah. where you do know who your boss is going to be. Yeah. And you put it in your article looking at the uh, the breakdown of the roster and scholarships heading into signing day. That running back room is very crowded right I've, now. I've never seen what, – what was it? What was it, like 11 or 12 scholarship running backs? Something like something that. Something like that out, out, of, out of 85 scholarship players, right? What's the percentage on One that? out of every eight, which is 12.5% yeah. of your scholarship <laughs> you players. You one running, running back, back on the field at a time. You know, they have more running backs on scholarship than they do and wide receivers, and, and you put three wide receivers out there. Of course, that's why we see, like, so many tight ends in the slot and everything. Yeah. Tech doesn't have enough receivers. And, and none of the running backs are in the portal. We thought there would be this rush well, to the portal the, by the, running there's backs. There's going to be some that's about to be in the portal sure but but they've already got all <laughs> kinds of other players in the portal but we thought the running backs would be leading the way going no i'm doubt. out of here no doubt you know it hasn't been the case so far and, and with such a log jam at running back it does make sense to see ramon brown leave for a maryland program with a little less depth at that position uh but if you haven't seen the bryce duke video that these guys did uh looking at his highlights uh, on the twitter page watch that one i watched all of those videos and his highlights stood out the most it just he had that next year where he would just run away from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 if you want to be a, just purely entertained, go go Google Bryce Duke Huddle and watch his senior season highlights. They're pretty incredible. Because we only include about a minute of the highlights yes. in, in our little yeah. blurb that we did. His is probably like 10 minutes long at least yeah. on his huddle. Now, and, that one was fantastic. Again, a pretty good replacement for Ramon Brown, and you put in your article you just posted on signing day on TechSideline.com, uh, you did kind of the blind resume game and just put player A and player B with their stats, yeah. and it was pretty clear that just based on statistics, the Bryce Duke, well, you would choose Bryce Duke over Ramon Brown well, just based on that. Well, R- Ramon Brown only had one 1,000-yard rushing year in high school, and that was this year, and he barely went over 1,000 yards. It was like 1,021 yards. And Bryce Duke had like several 1,000-yard months. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I think uh, Brown is a really, really fluid athlete and, yeah. and everything like that. I think he's got an, ex- an extra gear and everything. I think he's a good prospect, very good prospect. But, but like, I don't, I don't see anything there that makes me think he's definitely better than, than Duke. Right. Uh, likewise, if you look at Alex Orgy and Devin Farrell, you know, anybody like why is Alex Orgy a three-star? recruit when he's 6'3", 225, he rushed for 1,100 yards. And he he's has big, a strong, cannon. And, fast, and he's got a cannon. 
why is he only a three-star recruit and why didn't he have more offers? Well, the answer is he only completes 51% of his passes. Yeah. So he's either wildly inaccurate or he just can't read a defense at this stage. Right. And is just a very, very raw quarterback. And Devin Farrell completes 64% of his yeah. passes and his numbers have steadily gone up throughout his career. And Orgy's actually completion percentage dropped a little bit as a senior. So like... I just like I don't see like any either one of those guys is like I can't miss guy. I like both us. I would have liked to have had both guys. I would have liked to have two quarterbacks and two running backs in this class yep. and let them battle it out. But like, I'm not going to jump off a bridge because Virginia Tech lost either one of those guys. I mean, you, you look at it. I I, I did research for my article to, to today for the like top ten recruits in the state for three classes: 2016, <laughs> 2017, twenty. You should subscribe just for this article alone. <laughs> so 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 that's thirty total recruits from those three classes that constituted the top ten recruits in the state. Fewer than half went on to be starters in college. Yeah. It's just like the the top ranked recruits from the state of Virginia these days. Over half of them get to college and they fail. Yeah. But yet yet everybody's worried when UNC's taking them all away and everything like that but but like the evidence is starting to mount that they're just not doing well at college these days for whatever reason and i don't still, know why that is. you're still seeing a fair number of success stories beyond beyond the top 10, beyond the top 10. Yeah. yeah so like i think there's still plenty of good players in the state it's just when people pull up that rankings list they're not necessarily looking at the right spot because yeah. those top players aren't aren't doing much i mean i kid you not one of them quit the team during the middle of a game this past year at ohio state yeah. He marched off the field in the middle of the game. So top 10 kid went to Ohio State, and yeah. you're like, oh, we lost that oh, kid well, to Ohio State. What's wrong State? with our coaches? You well, know? <laughs> they, yeah. um, I'm sure they would have recruited him if they could have, but this is a kid who stormed off the field in the middle of the game. Right, right. It's a two, uh, like two of those guys like got kicked out of Florida State. Right, do you know how hard it is to get kicked out of Florida State yeah, football? Yeah, that's well, – <laughs> well, Speaking of Florida State, the big development on signing day today, number one Oof. overall recruit, I'm blanking on the name, Flip from Hunter. Florida State. Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter flipped from Florida State to Jackson State for uh, for Deion Sanders. For a multi-million dollar NIL deal, with, apparently. Uh, with Barstool, with I believe. With Barstool and a gaming company. I can't blame so, him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't blame either. I'm pretty sure like uh, you wouldn't need to pay me for to not go to Florida State. No. What's he going to miss out on by not going to Florida State? <laughs> a million dollars. <laughs> I mean, Florida State, well. Let's I'm not. sure Florida State had a pretty substantial offer as well in NIL deals and all of that as well. So, yeah. But the thing is, it's not just Florida State. Like, he's from Georgia. It was his team that beat Devin Farrell's team in the state. Oh, is that right? This wow. Past, ah. This past weekend. Uh, yeah. So he's, like, either number one or, or number two in the country. But, like, he had offers from Georgia and Alabama and everybody. So yeah. it's not just – Everybody's making fun of Florida State because he was previously committed to Florida right. State. But it's all of them. But I mean, yeah, he, he like he, he picked Jackson State over, over all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess having Deion Sanders as your head coach can pay off at times. And, uh, and, I, and I've said a million times, I don't have the brain to figure out all the moving parts in college football now and NIL and what it's going to do. So you hear about you hear a story like this and you think, oh, that's an earthquake. That's changing college football maybe maybe not the yeah. bar the barstool founder and i forget his name dave portnoy yeah that's it he is basically a personal booster of Deion sanders and, I, and I've, I've seen him like describe he describe himself this way like on twitter that he's a Deion sanders booster he's not a jackson state booster he's a Deion sanders booster yep. so this guy just wanted this kid to go to jackson state is what it seems like to me See, and, he, and he has nothing to do with jackson state 
And I banned a guy from our message boards who was repeatedly posting that Tech should have hired Deion Sanders. But the real reason I banned him was he took out two different accounts and was posting it with two different accounts. So maybe he had a point. I don't know. <laughs> but at any rate, yes, that's uh, you get that barstool money. <laughs> that's that's it's just like kicking Florida State when you're down. When they're down, yes. which I don't mind because I don't like Florida State. Right. But at the same time, they're taking some unnecessary heat today from their fans. And that's just something something that, that it happened to everybody, like you said, yeah. not just Florida. Not just and Florida if he was leave, willing to leave Florida State for Jackson State, there's a chance he would have left him for Alabama or Georgia, too, which probably wouldn't have garnered the and, same response. And ultimately, if you lose a recruit due to NIL money. You have, these days, you have to look at look in the mirror as a fan base and say, "What are we doing? Why? Why?" Uh, now, of course, this is a special situation where yes, yeah. But but generally speaking, if you lose a recruit to nil money these days, it's because the other school's fans want to be better at football than you. And I don't I don't <laughs> want to make this an nil podcast. Yes, but in case you haven't heard, there's a Texas fan slash booster who started a nonprofit, and that nonprofit is taking donations from the public fans. And his goal is to pay every offensive lineman at the University of Texas $50,000 a year of NIL money. The details are fuzzy, but he means every scholarship offensive lineman and every walk-on offensive lineman as well. 50000 bucks just for, I guess, going to practice every day and being a student and saying, I'm an offensive lineman. So, again, I don't want to turn it into an NIL podcast. But, but it is changing the game, as we saw today. Yeah. Uh, again, Travis Hunter... Uh, transferring, and we mentioned that he beat Devin Farrell in the Georgia State Championship yeah. game. Let's talk about Devin Farrell. He is the, I guess, replacement for Alex Orgy in this class at quarterback. You would lo love to have both, but uh, Devin Farrell, a good player, and you've compared him to Trace McSorley. Uh, uh, from a size standpoint, yes. like that's probably who like Brent Pry would, when as soon as he sees him, who would remind yeah. him of because he had exposure to McSorley, obviously, at, uh, yeah. at Penn State. McSorley was six foot one eighty two coming out of high school, and he was six foot two oh two during the draft. Uh, Farrell's six foot one ninety two is what he's listed at as right now. Um, I don't know. He's one of those guys who I think has had good coaching in Georgia. Uh, I could see it working out. Um, I, I I don't think I wouldn't. Some people will automatically dismiss him because of his size. I would not because. So many guys his size have had success at quarterbacks. I mean, well, he's, he's bigger than Bryce Young, or about. The and same we like Demetrius Davis, who's roughly right. the same size. Right, right. Yep. So, uh, but at the same time, if it doesn't work out, maybe you can look back and say, yeah, he wasn't quite big enough. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to dis dismiss him just because of his size. I, I, I'm, I do. I think Orgy was intriguing to people because of his size and an overall athletic ability. I think right now at this point in time, Devin Farrell is more advanced as a quarterback. From so, pure quarterback. Think, so now how that translates to the college level, I don't know. I think part of the reason people liked Alex Orgy, and it's one of the reasons I liked, I remember the highlight where he's running to the left in the end zone. He's a right-hander. He's right. running to the left, and he throws a 65-yard pass mm -hmm. while he's avoiding the rush. Right. And, you know, well, and I kept asking myself the question, why is this guy not moving up the recruiting rankings? Why, yeah. why is he still sitting here about 400th in the country and – He's got this kind of arm talent, and he can run like this. And and so when I was researching my, my signing day article earlier in the week, not knowing, having any, any idea where he was going to go to college, right? Yeah. Uh, I looked up his numbers on Max Preps and saw that he only completed 51.4% of his passes. That's why. Yeah. I mean, with his physical skill set, 
If that number was 60%, he'd be a top 100 recruit easy. And this is in a state, Texas, where we've said many times that we feel defense is optional. Correct. The defense is at the high school level in the state of Texas. In my opinion, I've seen some film, like watching Demetrius Davis's (laughs) film, and the defenses were just... And that that shows in the Big 12, where defense is optional. That's that's the theory. So I do want to jump back a little bit in the conversation. You've used the word replacement twice. Um, I don't want people jumping on you. No, Ramon, uh, uh, Bryce Duke was not a replacement for Ramon no. Brown. Yes. They were both recruited at the same time. Yes. It's just a word that... That's a word I was using kind of like, like we have an, uh, a lower option that can go up, uh, at least in the According to the rankings, rankings. Yes. right. Um, big names that were committed to Virginia Tech that ended up signing today. Obviously, the highest ranked player, seventh in the state, Gunnar Givens, listed as an interior offensive lineman initially but it looks like he's going to start on the defensive line do you think well, that's the right spot for him uh no we're gonna find out. <laughs> we're gonna find out <laughs> i'll be honest I, I i was fine with it in in hamilton's scheme yep uh and like this past summer like he kept losing weight he kept he, he was dropping from like 290 he went from to, 290 to two, down to 275, 275 or yeah. something like that and and like i had heard over the summer that he wanted to play down the defensive line at Virginia Tech. But even with his signing day ceremony, when it was televised or streamed or whatever, the 247 national guy who was doing it was just talking about offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. And there's Givens on the on the, on the video feed with him. And I'm sitting there thinking, Given, Gunnar Givens wants to play defensive line. And here's this guy right next to him talking about offensive line the whole way. And I felt kind of bad for him. Now, um, to be fair, all recruiting services listed him as an OL. And they and, still do. And when we did our little video, we called him an offensive lineman. Yeah. Virginia Tech I, calls I, him a defensive I have had him listed as a jumbo athlete in our system. Since I know, the summer. I changed it. I <laughs> uh, changed it. Yeah, right. Katie say offensive line. But I think we changed it back today. We did. Um, yes. Now, now I think he, and I don't think he's as good a fit as a defensive lineman in prize scheme as he would have been for Hamilton's. Uh, I think he's a better fit as an offensive lineman in this level. That's my honest opinion. And I like, and if he asked me, I would tell him that. And I could be completely wrong. You never know. Um, I think, but you know, I would have told Wyatt Teller the same thing. It's similar to the Wyatt Teller uh, and, story, and, and I think uh, Wyatt Teller took him a semester to figure that out. And of yeah. Jeff Grimes trying to slowly but surely every day trying to convince him to to move to the offensive line, he finally did, and then Jeff Grimes left. But at any rate, um, but thank, it, you, it thank was, you, Jeff Jeff Grimes, for your one contribution to Virginia Tech. It football. was a Dwayne Brown like move. It paid <laughs> off. Yeah, it did. it did. I mean, do you know Dwayne Brown was a tight end? Yes. Here. Yes. He actually had a actually touchdown caught a touchdown pass in the game from, from Sean Glennon. From Glennon, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm just he's going to be one of those guys. I know he since he's the highly, highest ranked guy in the class, people would be expecting something early. Yeah, but I and think because he's gonna, he looks like he does, right? Right. But 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 my opinion is he's going to start on the defensive line and then eventually move to the offensive line. So I'm not expecting fireworks early in Gunnar Givens' career. Yeah. Very happy to have him because I think he is he's a really hard worker in the weight room. I mean, you can look at him and yeah. tell it. And the, the fact that, like, he dropped from 290 to 275 because he wanted to be or wants to be a college defensive lineman shows you a little, about, a little bit about his work ethic and everything right now. I just I don't know that he's a schematic fit for this class. For his sake, I hope he is because I hope he, he gets what he's, he wants. Because he, if he turns out to be a great fit, then, you know, you've got a great defensive lineman on your hand. And one of the things I like about this class is I'm, I'm counting in my head, I'm not good at this stuff, four – players from you know southwest virginia uh you've got givens uh mclean from botetot high school uh you've got meadows from graham mm-hmm. um or am i making someone else up in uh, my benji, mind benji gosnell benji oh, yeah. gosnell yes 
who's uh, kind of from Virginia. Yeah. But grew up at Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. And where's Burgos from? Is it Burgos Richmond, from? Richmond, Matolica. Okay, right. But we, I've been guilty of saying that, that this part of the state doesn't produce college football players yep. anymore. Mm. They're signed. We'll see how their careers go. But it's nice to have, to have uh, athletes from, from the, this part of the state that the coaching staff feels is worthy of a scholarship offer. Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, it's, it's good for, for the guys who are native Virginians. But for the other guys, it's kind of a special situation. Like Gosdell moved here from, within the last year from North Carolina. Yeah. The, the McDonald, McDonald twins? From Salem, yes. um, Jordan and Jaden, yeah, mm-hmm. they moved to Roanoke from North Carolina, so hmm. it's not like this area is actually that. producing. Oh, they are in some, some of cases, them. Yes. but uh, half, over half of the guys that are from this area who've signed in the last two years have actually been from out of state, and they just happened to move here. All right, yeah, which I will still. Are take. we going to remember that? Fi- you're going to remember it fifteen I'm in years from now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and Brent Pry did say during his press conference today that. He thinks the transition from defense to offense is easier than offense to defense, so that's maybe why he's starting Givens on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys see the video uh, that Hokies Football tweeted out today of uh, the FaceTime with Pry and Price and, yeah. and, and Gunnar Givens? Like you said, he has a great work ethic. I had already been to the gym before, yeah. even on signing day. Pry asked him, have you been to the gym already today? Yeah. Signing day, you don't give yourself a break. <laughs> so uh, so definitely good stuff there with Gunnar Givens. Again, the highest-ranked recruit who signed today for Virginia Tech. And let's not forget that Katie made out 100 birthday cards for Gunnar Givens. <laughs> she did. And, and with that, let's talk to Katie. Let's get her segment in the fourth chair. Well, in the spirit of National Signing Day, I wanted to take a look back at our all-time commit list for Virginia Tech football there's a lot of really great names and maybe a couple busts. Um, so <laughs> I have the top 25 all-time commits listed. Okay. Three names that Hokies fans were very excited to get on this list and who are current players include Devin Hunter at 6, Dax at 21. Wow. And then Jaden Payu barely outside the top 25. He's 26. Mm-hmm. Wow. Basically just wanted to ask what your thoughts are on the development of these three players because Dax obviously has the most playing time, but... Haven't really seen what we thought we were going to see out of these three. Well, payute has been hurt so much, and overall, I don't... But is that all it is? No, it's not all it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't... don't get wound up. <laughs> I don't think our wide receiver development has been great. <laughs> Are no. you sure? You haven't heard this from me before, Chris. <laughs> um, Hunter is a really, really good athlete. Um, yes, has not played, has not developed at, at, at the rate you would expect, but at the same time... Have our safeties developed either? <laughs> Tech's best safety this year was developed at Vanderbilt. Yeah, and and like uh, you've you've seen some guys like, who's like PFF grades from year to year. Like Jamari Connor's <laughs> PFF grades have dropped off twelve points since he was yeah, a sophomore yeah. to now. So it's not only that guys aren't developing; some of them are getting worse. So I don't know whether you put that uh, on. On Devin Hunter just not being that great, or, or whether he's just not being developed properly. Chris's is. voice has dropped to almost because I, <laughs> I, I would go on a rant about it because there's no need anymore. But you've ran that staff is gone. <laughs> you've ran yeah, it but you know what I'm saying. And like uh, Dax's numbers, his PFF grade was about the same this year. But, yeah. but you've had other guys whose PFF grade, like Tisdale's performances, dropped off. Tisdale was a better player in 2019 yeah. as a redshirt freshman than he is now. 
And so, so why so you're, is that? you're answering her question by saying it's not so, necessarily it's not necessarily those, those players. Guys. It could be just how they're developed. It could it could be the the development program that they were in. Yeah. So you you just named three guys at safety, uh-huh. wide receiver, and linebacker, uh-huh. and there's been some question about well, the I, development. I, I, of I know those if positions. I'm if I'm Dax Holyfield, I'd be really excited that uh, Brent Pry's here. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Not only Brent Pry, but Chris Mart, wasn't he the linebackers he, coach? He was a linbacker coach at Florida State, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. And the, and were their linebackers improved? Um their fans are worried about recruiting instead of the actual on field results. <laughs> yeah, so but, they were yeah. criticizing Mart because he's not known as <laughs> Oh a great gosh, recruiter. he's not recruiting, yeah. but the players are out getting better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so I already know off the top of my head Kevin Jones is the number one all time recruit. Correct. Um, yeah. And I've already forgotten who number two. Kendall and, Fuller's up there somewhere. It is. It's Kendall yeah, Fuller Kendall's at number two. two. So three would be. Yeah, let's. I was going to ask a question about the top five, so let's just go with that. See if you okay. guys can guess the top five straight up. All right. So, oh, uh, Kevin it's, it's Jones. Tyrod's got to be. Tyrod's got to be. Tyrod's three. Yep. Did Holland Fisher crack the top five? Oh God. No. 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 Okay. Uh, top ten? Yes. Not top five. Well, what about? Uh, Marcus, is he in there? Yes, Marcus, that's Marcus. four. He's like I'm impressed. Four. Okay. Yes. And, uh, Macho Harris? Yes. Okay. Macho Harris. All right, so, so to recap, Kevin Jones. Um, Kendall we, Fuller. Kendall Fuller. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod yep. Taylor, Marcus Vick, and Macho Harris. Macho Harris. Wow. And David Wilson and Ryan Williams have to be in there too, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Ryan Williams is seven. Okay. And then, actually, David Wilson is not in I have the top 26 listed. He's not on here. Really? That's, that doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense. sense. Wait, wait, he's 14. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed over that. So, um, who, so who's number six? Number six is Devin Hunter. Oh, okay, Devin Hunter. Yeah. He then, had a plus. I mean, I remember when he committed, it was like over was Florida was the main one. Yeah. Maybe Ohio State, yeah, Alabama. Florida, Auburn, pretty much anybody who was anybody. He was an early Fuente commitment, right? Oh, that was first, Fuente's first, first class. full class. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So and when it, I was looking at this, why isn't Michael Vick on here? I, Michael Vick recruiting sort of, you know, yeah. Michael wasn't but, well, that highly well, recruited. So that the two four, you're looking at two four seven, right? They're all time yeah, commits was, list, yeah. right? So they only go back to the very beginning of rivals. So, so like nineteen ninety nine, right? Or maybe yep. even two thousand. So when Michael Vick committed class of ninety eight, there were no online rankings back then, and uh, he would have been if if you converted him into a 2022 recruit he would be a high four-star player you know he was the number three player in the state yeah um he was the number two quarterback in his own region in his own district but virginia tech got him his other his other two main offers were east carolina and syracuse and that'll let you know how it's much recru- how much recruiting yeah. has expanded yeah. over the like these days you would have to beat out Alabama and Clemson and everybody for Michael Vick. And his high school coach would not be running his recruitment either, unfortunately. <laughs> so speaking of Michael, I'm going to put this out there. One day Michael will sit on this set and be on a TSL podcast. That would be nice. Speak right. it into existence. I, I graduate um, in about a year. Can we make it happen sooner? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. So I really need to talk to Dwight about it. Well, that. first we have to get Dwight on here. Well, and that would I've help said, with Mike. Dwight, we need to get you and or Mike on the podcast. <laughs> right. So Dwight is our conduit to Mike. So pressure's on there. Dwight. Well, I've told Dwight he's got an open invitation. Oh, yeah. But I told him that like right before COVID hit. Right? Now, we and really need to buy new furniture before Dwight gets here, though, because yeah, Dwight's larger than everybody. <laughs> He's an offensive lineman. <laughs> One more note. So, Doug Nestor at 16, which, as we know, he's not with us anymore. Right. And then a couple names that I had never really even heard of. I'll show my age with this one. 
Trip Carroll, 23. It says uh, he quit the team. Uh, Trip Carroll was a guy. He had some injuries, but he was like the first guy, probably the first one of the first big time recruits that like Virginia Tech fans really paid attention to. He was out of Florida, uh, and he had reported over 80 scholarship offers. Now he had some injuries, but he also just wasn't very good. Now so it's just everybody misevaluated. Him. I interviewed Trip. This was probably twenty years ago, and I, and I interviewed him, and and he was a great interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember him saying, "I said, so you know, what do you have?" What is, I, I ended the interview with, you know, you have any sort of message for for Hokies fans, and he said something like. You know, I'm a highly ranked guy, but I just can't wait to get up there and get my ass kicked and start learning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he was just a great interview. All right. And then Joel Caleb at 15. I read yeah. that he transferred to Norfolk State. Yeah, so where I guess he, he didn't, didn't play. Yeah, okay. not, that, that, that was when, like, around that time, the Richmond area started going downhill for Virginia Tech. There were still good players out of Richmond, but for the most part, we got the wrong ones. Now, we got a few good ones like Sam Rogers, who was a walk-on. Nigel Williams, but uh, that was the whole Joel Caleb Holland Fisher era. Caleb was a, was a good athlete, just not a good football player, right? And never had a, a, never had a position. Never uh, had a position. He was a positionless guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So eleven out of the twenty five made it to the NFL, but of course, there's three players on this list who are still in college. So we'll see about Devin Hunter and. Doug Nestor and all that good stuff, but not too bad of a top twenty-five all-time commit list. Eleven out of twenty-five—that's a pretty that's good pretty percentage, good. I would yeah. think. Yeah, I would think outside of some of the top programs, you're going to struggle to find anybody with a higher percentage than that. Uh, well, thank you, Katie. That's a good look back at the past of Virginia Tech recruiting. We've still got more new Hokies players to look at in the second half of the podcast. We're going to look at a couple more four stars that committed today, and then we're going to look at other notable names, get some dark horses of the class who maybe could surprise us despite maybe being ranked lower in the recruiting rankings. All of that coming up in the second half of episode 216 of the Tech Sideline podcast. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back on episode 216 of the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. It is National Signing Day. We're about halfway through looking at Virginia Tech's 2022 class on the early signing day. Still some some additions to come. And now we have official confirmation. Hunter McLean has joined the 2022 class. The Lord Botetot offensive lineman just signed his LOI. Before we get back into talking about the class, if you are on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And if you have a comment or question in the live chat, get those in now, and we'll get to those at the end of the show with Will and Chris and Katie in the fourth chair. We talked about one of the four stars who joined this Virginia Tech class. There's two more. Benji Gosnell, the former Ohio State commit, is the next highest rated 12th ranked player in Virginia, 6'5", 240 out of Carroll County. Uh, and he just committed to Brent Pry, the first commit to Brent mm -hmm. Pry. Uh, he signed his LOI today as well. I like him because I think he could also play linebacker. Um, I think he's a naturally aggressive guy. Stays low when he tackles. Um, still, he's a tough guy to evaluate because you just watch his film and is literally a man among boys. Um, it, it's it's those guys have no chance to play against him <laughs> out at Carroll County. He sent a lot of kids home crying. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things on Monday. You turn on the film and you're like, oh, I got to play against that guy this week. That's not going to be fun. But uh, So, yeah, I mean, I he had a bunch of offers. He's a highly ranked guy. Yep. Uh, I think he seems to have the mentality and everything like that. And I think he could could potentially play linebacker or even defensive end, depending on where he's needed. Um, the concern really is level of competition. Um, 
So that doesn't mean he won't be a great player. It just means he's hard to yeah. evaluate. Yeah. Um, and he had a knee injury, tore his ACL this past season. So I think he, he played in three games yeah, as a that's senior. Right. So he's, he's enrolling early. He's one of 12 guys that are enrolling early. Um, so he can come in and, you know, he's already started his rehab and, and everything like that. Um, but he'll he'll get he'll get to come in and and learn the system early. And those twelve guys coming in early, that's big, especially with the new coaching staff getting those guys in for spring football. I think that, so. It's gonna be huge. Have we got the list, David? Where do we have the list of the twelve guys? Andy okay. better tweeted yeah. it. So we we want to read that off during the podcast because that's almost yep. hot off the presses. It's lukewarm off the presses. I will yes. find it right now. Well, we have the fourth chair here. She can look we it do. up. We do. If, if, if you want to look dog. that up. While you continue to guide <laughs> the show. I can keep guiding the show. This yeah, is Katie. why I envisioned the fourth chair for stuff this is, like this. This is perfect. This is exactly what, what Will for, dreamed of. Andy, Andy better. better tweet about the, about the 12 Wonderful. early enrollees. Okay. Well, while she's grabbing that Final four-star who signed with Virginia Tech, cornerback Cam Johnson out of Baltimore, mm-hmm. Maryland. Uh, you said in your little clip for the yeah. for the Twitter that he could be one of the best players in this class. Yeah, so if you go and you look at our tweet where we, we talked about him sending in his LOI, it's just Chris and I talking. Yeah. There, are, there are no highlights of Cam Johnson. And I just want to throw out there that I made that decision because he hadn't posted anything since his sophomore year yeah. on his huddle profile. Yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't even look at him. I could have looked at him and see how they look, but I'm like, no, nah, this kid's two years older now. I don't want to put up two-year-old highlights. Yeah, that's not, that's not fair to the player. But uh, very highly ranked guy. Uh, yes. the, his team plays a national schedule. St. Francis Academy, I, I think it's something like, gosh, I put the numbers in an article, in my article today, and I don't remember what they were, but it's something like... Eight of 20? Oh, it's, it's 40% of the top 20 in Maryland go to St. Francis Academy. <laughs> so he plays against top, top competition every single day. Yeah. And then his co- and in his high school, they play a national schedule. Like, they, they open the season this year on national television against St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. I watched the game while I was at the gym. It was on TV. So cool. I watched the game there. And then they ended the season by beating IMG Academy on wow. the road. You know how good you have to be to beat IMG Academy. <laughs> wow. So this dude plays against the top talent every year. I'm really glad to get him in the program. I think he'll have an understanding from day one of, of work ethic, of time commitment, level of competition. He's probably had a lot of competition in practice for his spot. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah. And, right. and, and that makes guys play and practice harder. Yep. Eighth-ranked player coming out of the state of Maryland, top 400 player in the country, standing at six foot, so he's a longer guy. So could be the next addition to DBU at Virginia Tech. I believe Katie has the list of the 12 early enrollees. Right, so Correct. I actually haven't heard this list. So I have not either. All right, so these guys will be here next month, which is pretty crazy. It starts with Devin Farrell, Bryce Duke, Tucker Holloway, Benji Gosnell, Harrison St. Germain, Johnny Dixon, Brody Meadows, Gunnar Givens, Braylon Moore, Reed Pulliam, Cam Johnson, and John Love. That's a, a pretty very, solid Very cool group. that Farrell's going to be here. Yeah, and absolutely. And anytime you can get a quarterback in early, I think it's great. And and, and my, my man crush in this <laughs> he, he class. He might get here before his quarterback coach gets here at this point. <laughs> <laughs> my man crush in this class is Bryce Duke, so that's very cool that he's going to be here. There we go. There we go. So we got those 12 and a lot of the higher-ranked players coming in uh, early, as well as, again, getting a quarterback in, always important. Let's talk about some other notable names in this class, all three stars. Uh, we talked about Rashad Purnell a lot over the last couple yeah. of weeks. You said he could be one of your favorite players in the class, yep. uh, mostly because he goes to Highland Springs, which you're uh, very yeah. fond I, of their coaching. I, I am very fond of their coaching. <laughs> uh, I think Lauren Johnson has proven wherever he's been. You know, He won state titles in, Nor- in Northern Virginia. I think he was at St- 
Stonebridge or something like that, maybe, or Manassas. I don't yeah. remember, but he won it in, in Northern Virginia. Then he moved to Richmond, took over the Highland Springs program, and they've consistently been the best program in the state. they got a really good coaching staff. Derek Hopkins is one of their defensive line coaches. So, you know, I know he gets really good coaching. I know he'll be really well prepared. I, I watch him, and I think he's just more advanced with his hands and understands staying lower and everything like that than, than most defensive line recruits. Highland Springs has a 2023 the 2023 defensive line recruit is the same way. You just watch him, his really active hands. Yeah. Um, now, Purnell was not on that list, correct? Yep, so he'll he wasn't. Be, not. Okay. Um, so, and I actually really like Tech's defensive tackle class now because I now I know that Purnell is going to be th- uh, playing the three technique uh, in Brent Price scheme. And also, uh, Braylon Moore is apparently starting out at defensive tackle, which yes. I, I don't think he would have been a great fit for, for Justin Hamilton's scheme. But, uh, you know, I see a lot of strength and some twitch there that I think it could work for a Brent Pry scheme. So all of a sudden I'm very excited about this defensive tackle group. Yeah, and Braylon Moore's listed everywhere, including by us as an offensive lineman. Yep. But mm-hmm. when, his, when his LOI came in, um, he was listed as a defensive lineman for Tech. And that, by, doesn't, by that, tech. that doesn't mean he won't end up there. Yeah. Um, because I, I think he's – a very good offensive line prospect, just like his brother. But it sounds like they're going to start him off at defensive tackle. And Braylon Moore, same situation as Gunnar Givens again. Listed offensive line everywhere, starting on the defensive line. And again, Brent Price said, easier to make the switch defense to offense than offense to defense. So that could be a big reason why. Another guy who stood out watching the Twitter videos from Tech Sideline, seeing those highlights, uh, Monsoor Delane yes. uh, coming out of Maryland. Listed as a cornerback, but it looks like he plays a lot of safety. That dude lays lays the hit stick on some guys he's uh, gonna, in those highlights. He's going to play safety for Sec. Uh, I think he understands angles. He he likes to hit. He seeks out contact. Good open field tackler. I, I think he's going to help on. He'll be on the kickoff team this year. Yeah, is my prediction. And at some point in his Tech career, he'll be a gunner because I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be strong enough to get off blocks, but also fast enough to get down the field uh, against the punt returner. And that's another call by Chris Coleman. We were deciding leading up to signing day, how do, how do we want to list these guys? He's listed as a cornerback everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we put him out there as a defensive back, and when the LOI came in, Tech listed him as a safety. Yeah. So. 14th-ranked player coming out of Maryland, 6'1", 178, so a good frame there. Uh, definitely, again, if you haven't checked out that video or checked out his highlights, go check he, those out. He looks bigger than that, too. And recall, there were no camps in the summer of 2020. And, you know, I don't know. And maybe his his weight got updated this past summer. Or maybe it hasn't been updated since the summer of 2019. It's it's hard to say. But yeah. he looks – he plays more like he's like 190 or 195, I think. In the highlights that were included in our little Twitter clip slash presentation – there's one of him coming from the back middle of the defense and just flying through the hole and just mowing down this quarterback who didn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. It's good it, stuff. It was fantastic. Make sure you go check that, those out again on the Tech Sideline Twitter, and eventually they'll be up on the YouTube page uh, if you're subscribed. Offensive line, we talked about some of the guys who were listed as offensive linemen moving to defense. This guy's not going to. Johnny Dixon, six foot three. 310 pounds. That is a big boy coming out of high school to Virginia Tech. He he had really interesting film this past year because he uh, had this giant club on his hand because I guess like his (laughs) hand was broken, so they had to tape it up. So he actually, his films, you don't want to watch his senior film. You want to watch his junior film because it's better. But, you know, he showed his toughness by getting out there and actually playing with a broken hand. And he actually looks bigger than 310. (laughs) Watching his film, I was like, what is this guy, 350? Yeah. (laughs) 
And the last one I want to go through here, Tucker Holloway, only wide receiver of the class coming out of Georgia. Uh, he had some pretty big offers as well, and that's a thin position coming into the spring. So this was much needed to keep him uh, in this class. Yeah, you know, Vandy tried to put a late push on him, and I want to say like like Tennessee maybe or, or Florida or, or somebody was very interested. Uh, I forget which. Um, but it's it's – it's difficult, man. It, this this was tough. Like he doesn't know who his wide receivers coach is going to be. Yep. So he just uh, walked into a situation where he doesn't know who his boss, so to speak. And his LOI came in late, right? And his so. LOI came in. So you know, it's like you appreciate that as, as a fan that somebody's willing to take that that risk. He's he's another guy who's hard to evaluate because he plays. He doesn't play against huge competition. He actually drives like an hour every day to school from north from like North Carolina into North Georgia. Uh, over wow. there in the western part of North Carolina, where 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 it borders Georgia, uh, competition isn't great. I think he plays quarterback too, and he's a really really fast guy. But you can't get an evaluation of him as a wide receiver yep. because there's no film of him playing wide receiver. It's kind of like you couldn't evaluate. Mm-hmm. I couldn't evaluate Jaden Payute coming out of high school because all the highlights were of him playing quarterback. Hmm. So that'll be an interesting one to watch again. Wide receiver, a thin position. We've already seen Trey Turner declare for the draft. Tavion Robinson just committed to Kentucky today from the transfer portal. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Tavion Robinson has the worst timing on his announcements. It's either intentional so, or he's not aware of what's going or on he's, around. He's not, not aware well, of his surroundings. Like He announced that he's entering the portal during Brent Price's introductory press, press conference. conference. And then on signing day, when Virginia Tech's announcing all their commits, he says, I'm going to Kentucky. Right. Well, it's and like, I, wa- I want to say, on, David, correct me if I'm wrong, Tavion Robinson tweeted out that he was going to Kentucky two or three days ago and deleted the tweet and then committed again today. (laughs) So maybe it is the timing that he wanted there was to uh, to at least uh, come right in the middle of these good announcements for Virginia Tech, getting these guys to sign. So so one guy I want to make sure we don't skip over him is uh, Harrison St. Germain. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, uh, I know you shouldn't evaluate recruits on just one or two clips, but there there is a pretty good clip where. He's uh, going down kind of not the exact middle of the field, but towards the middle of the field. And they throw him the ball about 15 or 20 yards downfield. And some poor defensive back, probably smaller than me, just tries to go up with him and then falls to the side. And then St. Germain runs the last 20 or 30 yards for the touchdown. And watching him run with the football, just the the way he runs, the build, he really does look like a like a natural tight end. And, yeah. and Chris, you said he's he's – he did all kinds of stuff in the film that you watched. Oh, right? you could see him line up with his hand in the dirt. You could see him line up as an H back. You could see him split out wide. You even saw him take a carry. So very Dalton Keene like, yeah. I would say. Um, but you, you know, you bring up, you know, you don't want to rate guys on one or two clips, and and that, that's important to always remember. Like everybody, you can get on there and watch their huddle highlights and everything, but those are just the plays that they want you to see. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, coaches have uh, like. Let's let's use Alex Orgy as an example again, and I don't mean to knock the kid. Um, I hope he does great at Michigan, and I wish he was coming here. But when you look at those highlight clips, they're uh, those those forty nine percent of his passes that fall incomplete. They're not on there, so you don't have any grasps of, of their of these players' weaknesses or anything like that by looking at highlights. Um, coaches have access to full game film, so like you you, you can. Most athletes at this level, you can pull up their high school tape and put together a whole bunch of highlights of good plays, but that doesn't tell the, the whole story in scouting or recruiting. 
Yes, uh, you're only seeing what the player wants you to see Correct. with those highlights. So, well, and, and after Quincy Patterson left, and was it North Dakota State? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, North Dakota State tweeted out some great Quincy Patterson throws mm-hmm. early in the season, right. and they eventually benched him, and they pretty much well, didn't let him throw were, the ball anymore. Well, they they only let him throw the ball like six times a game, even when he was playing. Right, and, and he was throwing the guys who were wide open, and yeah. it's like, look, what have we lost? Look at Quincy <laughs> yeah, Patterson right, chucking right. touchdowns. Right. Yeah. Well, North Dakota State plays James Madison this week. Week uh, mm-hmm. in the FCS playoffs. So, awesome. So Quincy Patterson. I'm not sure. I believe that game is in James Madison. I want to say. I'll double check. It might be in Fargo, but uh, he could be making his return to the Commonwealth uh, this week. Wow. Before, it's at North Dakota State. It's oh, at North Dakota. Okay. Virginia's coming to him this time. So they he, rush for like 400 yards a game too. <laughs> North Dakota State. Oh, they're did. brutal. Yeah. yeah. Well, before we we move on here. Anybody that we didn't get to, I wish we could go in depth on every uh, player, but we would run out of time. Yeah. Uh, any dark horses that maybe are a little further down? Maybe Harrison Saint Germain could be one that, that yeah. you're intrigued by. I, you know, I wrote Harrison Saint Germain. Um, I wrote uh, Rashad Purnell. I wrote. Braylon I like Bryce Moore, Duke. Uh, Bryce Duke, and I, I want to say there, there's a couple of. Oh yeah, I, I mentioned. Uh, Delane and I mentioned Cam Johnson. I think those are the five I went into. Yeah, so you went over in my, all in my column today, and we went over all of those guys. And it's not that you don't, you don't like any of the other guys; it's those those are the guys that stand out to me. Yeah. And it's not always the the highest ranked guys that that stand out yeah. to me. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But like, ever since like Wyatt Teller was recruited, and that's been almost that's been like eight years since Wyatt Teller's been recruited, maybe nine years. And I have never liked to recruit. I liked as much as Wyatt Teller since Wyatt Teller. Yeah. You know, like when I thought he was going to UVA at one point, like I was <laughs> I was about to lose it. See, Chris had been with us for about eight years by then. Yeah. And <clears throat> so when when you do this, what we do for a long time, I don't want to use the word jaded because that has a negative connotation. But you start to understand the ebb and flow of things. But I do remember him like like he just was not happy that Teller was going to go to. Oh, oh well, it, we went to that was when we went to the SAC recruiting camps all the time. Yeah, and Teller was at one of the camps, and we I, we were standing next to him, and you, it was just a, at a tech recruiting camp, and he was talking to other recruits about how great Mike London was. He was like, "Oh, he's used to be a cop," and blah blah blah. And he was like, <laughs> you, "He was so fired up about Mike London." And I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to lose the best player in the state to this program because their head coach used to be a cop. Come on. So I went over, I went over and told somebody that I knew on this tech staff, and I was like, you need to get whoever his recruiter is over here and get him away from all these other recruits before he pollutes their minds. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but fortunately, they were able to uh, sway him to come to tech. But uh, that, that would have been – I would have been devastated if he had gone to UVA. But uh, dude, finally wisened up. He wasn't a UVA guy. No, he was not. A, yeah. Oh, um, he actually one of his uh, a guy named Corey Guff who tech signed for the offense. I remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah. used to be a bouncer at Champs, so I knew Corey pretty well. And Corey told me one time he was like, it was like I talked to Wyatt when he was being recruited, and like he was talking about going to UVA, and I told him Wyatt, you like trucks with mud tires and and hunting and fishing, like. You were not a fit in Charlottesville. You need to go to Virginia Tech. So Wyatt came to Virginia Tech. And and Corey, who never really developed anything here at Tech, uh, 
may have altered the course of Virginia Tech football, not as a player, but as by saying that one thing to Wyatt Teller. That's right. Well, and Chris Coleman will, turned out to be right about Wyatt Teller. Uh, I've never liked anybody as much since. For, for those who don't follow the NFL or maybe haven't seen his highlights, look up Wyatt Teller highlights, which you usually won't see for an offensive lineman in the NFL, but some of I, the pancakes that he throws around. I think he's the only player that I've, the only high school player I've ever, I've ever looked at and been 100% convinced that he was going to be a great college player. Right. Like maybe David Wilson was, was probably another one. Yeah. But, but, but even then, they were pitching to David on the outside. I don't remember. I remember really? a lot of up-the-middle runs. Oh, in the, I remember and, and a his, bunch his, of pitches to the outside. And his balance was so good yeah, because uh, they were just bouncing off his legs. That's what yeah. I remember about David Wilson. Well, why why tell her playing on Saturday this week? So if you have nothing to do on Saturday, check him out. Actually, he's on the yeah. COVID list. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. along with like seventy five other NFL players. I can't players, keep up apparently. with that. Yeah, yeah. they had thirty seven test positive in one day. So. Tim, Tim Saddle's out, Fuller's out, a bunch of tech guys are out this weekend. So so Teller was a guy. He clearly always had the physical talent, but I was worried about him not being able to focus. Um, um, a little bit. I, I know he struggled with that at, uh, and he he himself would say, "I'm ADD." Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he was diagnosed or anything. He would just say that about yeah. himself. But I think the NFL is very good at figuring out those things about guys and presenting information to them in the way that they best learn. And so my concern when he was coming out was the NFL would be too much for him. It's the exact opposite. He's thriving in the crush NFL. It, man. Yeah. yeah, the Bills have to feel bad about that trade that they made. To send <laughs> oh, I don't, don't understand that one at all. <laughs> uh, anyway, who did they get for him? I think it was like a fifth round pick or something like that. If if that so. Teller was a fifth round pick himself. Yeah. So uh, so Buffalo kicking themselves for that one as hmm. he's turned into one of the best guards in the entire NFL. Taking us back to signing day, do we want, do we call this a, a first major success for Brent Pry retaining most of the class on about fifteen days since he was announced uh, with with, with what, no offensive coaching what, half staff? half a coaching staff? If that, I think he did okay. Yeah, I think he did fine. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. You know. You're gonna like whenever there's a coaching change, you, you're gonna lose some on signing day, and you're probably gonna flip some too. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm I'm fine with it. It's tw- I think the class was like 22nd earlier this week. Now it's 29th because you lost Brown. But yeah, what's seven spots? I mean, have you can and still fourth in the ACC. Yeah, and Clemson. At least we're not Clemson. All right, Clemson fans got to be mad right now. They've so what's got, going on with them? Oh, their class is like 25th. They don't have any coaches. And I, right. I believe they've had more decommitments within the last two weeks than they had in the last three years combined. Yeah, yeah, right. Like so this is why, like, this is the signing day should not happen in December uh, during during the coaching carousel. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It, it yeah. needs to be pushed back to, to February yeah. again. So I think um, I think time is, you know, and, and again, I don't I don't want to say anything negative about anybody, but I think time will tell that the loss of Alex Orgy isn't a big deal. If Michigan develops him into a good quarterback, then great job, more power to him. I'm not so sure about Ramon Brown. That that might be one that we – But Now who, he's going to win the Heisman. Orgy's going to win the Heisman. <laughs> he's, and, and he's probably recording this podcast and, and right now. This, this, just that into this is the soundbite that will live forever. But uh, Brown I'm not so sure about, although, man, he could have made a better choice than Maryland. Everybody, everybody for, that either transfers or decommits from Virginia Tech to go to Maryland doesn't do well. Except for Trey Edmonds. Trey, not Trey, rushed for two hundred yards at Maryland and then got hurt. He got hurt again and then yeah. went to the NFL. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't anything Maryland. The fact that he's in the NFL is not. <laughs> no, it had nothing to do with Maryland. But so uh, Sean Savoy, Josh Jackson, um, Taj Capehart. Mm-hmm. 
And there's another name I'm leaving uh, out. Dewan Ellis go to Maryland? Yeah, Dewan sure Ellis. Did. These yeah. are guys that either were Virginia Tech recruits or Virginia Tech players. Maryland is not a stable football program. No, no. no. And we'll uh, see that, that, Maryland we'll is one of those programs that, that is more focused on winning signing day than they are winning football games on and Saturdays. And Mike Loxley is good at winning signing day. He is. I think they flipped a Penn State guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, really. That's just what they do. They well, flip, they flip recruits left. and then they don't win football games. <laughs> it's probably, probably a linebacker and Brett Pryor left and he said, I'll <laughs> go to maybe. Maryland instead. Well, two weeks from right now, Virginia Tech will be playing Maryland up in Yankee Stadium in the Pinstripe Bowl. So that'll be fun to watch. Signing day versus maybe better coaching with Virginia Tech. Yeah, as Virginia Tech takes a skeleton squad up there. Right. Yes. No, none of Maryland's guys have opted out, by the way. So really? Really? Why not? Well, yeah, so... So they have no NFL prospects, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. so I mean, yeah, Talia Tagovailoa, I think, is the biggest name that I've heard from them, and I don't think he's going to the NFL. Have you heard of him so. because of him or because, because of his, his brother? brother right? So, well, I've seen him play, and he, uh, he runs hot and cold. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Well, we've talked about how tough it is for Virginia Tech to recruit offensive players right now because they don't have an offensive coaching staff in place. There are some rumor, r- rumors or reports that Tyler Bowen will be the next offensive coordinator currently coaching for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, thoughts on him possibly running the offense only has really one full year of play calling experience. So yeah. uh, going to be a little process there. Now I will say, you know, the one year at Fordham and the one game is interim at Penn state. All the numbers are dominant. <laughs> all the numbers are great. Um, he's 57% run 43% pass. So balanced offense with a lean towards the run. He'll run plenty of twelve personnel, which is a you know one back two tight end formation. Um, Does he run pistol? Do you know? I don't know. Two I, tight ends with pistol, man. Oh, um, pistol is my favorite. Yeah, uh, it's, it's honestly, quite frankly, my, my favorite formation in football. Is is pistol a formation or or should it be an offense into itself? That's a that's up for debate. Right. I know Joe Moorhead has run some pistol. And he came up, he learned offense from Joe Moorhead. So, yes, I'm sure you will see Pistol. So, if, so at, if you don't know Virginia what Pistol Tech. is, I'll, I'll give you my understanding of it. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. The running back does not line up on either side of the quarterback. He lines up directly behind the quarterback. Yes. So you don't know which way they're biased towards. And if right. you're running two tight ends, then you've really got a, yeah, a balanced formation. You can balance your formation. You can just do a whole lot out of the pistol. It, it provides the elements of a downhill running game, like the downhill eye, eye formation, with a shotgun. Yeah, basically. The shotgun eye, you it's can call it. Absolutely. My, yes, exactly. Um, it is absolutely my favorite uh, formation in football. Um, but at any rate, uh, he's not. It's not going to be an air raid offense or anything like yeah. that. It's it's going to be an offense that it fits Tech, I think. And and Tyler Bowen may be trying to get out of Jacksonville as fast as possible with some of the stuff that's going I on wish, there. I wish Urban Meyer seems like he's about to fire everybody on his staff, or maybe he'll get <laughs> fired himself. I mean, this wouldn't reflect well, but I wish he'd go ahead and fire Bowen right now. So right now, start. so Tech could announce him <laughs> uh, but and yeah, get to work. And, 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 and these are NFL rules with the NFL Coaches Association. Like, if you accept an NFL job, you can't interview for another job till your season's over. So that's why when Virginia Tech hired Bill Tierlink a couple of years ago, uh, we figured out that it was Bill Tierlink in, in, in the month of December. 
because somebody who had been walking by Virginia Tech's graphics office emailed us and said, yo, Virginia Tech's doing a graphics about a Buffalo Bills coach is going to be Virginia Tech's defensive line coach. I'm like, huh. So I started researching their defensive line coaches, and I'm like, uh, it's Bill Terrellink guy. Uh, oh, yeah, he was the coach of Justin Fuente. Boom, that's it. Bill Terrellink's the new <laughs> defensive line coach. And that was like three weeks. That was like three weeks before the hiring was announced. So, so their season ended on like January 4th. And then his hiring was announced on January 8th because you have to, in the NFL, it's, it's in the coaches association contracts. You have to finish the season, right? You can get fired in the move, but like, so like Tyler Bowen cannot come to Blacksburg right now. He cannot, he cannot quit his job. You, you finish the season out. And the good news is the Jaguars last weekend officially eliminated from playoff contention. So you won't have to wait much longer for Bowen. But, well, to... the, the bad news is they extended the season to 17 games this year, which yes. I think is stupid. So, so it goes through like January 9th January or something 9th like that? It's Man, that's crazy. Like, I don't understand why anybody would go for a system where you play eight home games and nine road games or vice versa. It's what, it, it throws everything out. They may just be waning it into what's going to eventually be 18 games, I would so assume. So not 17 weeks, but 17 games. So it's 18 weeks, 17 games. Yes. Right Shows now. you how closely I follow the NFL. Oh, 17 games scheduled. So my Dolphins can actually go 10-7 and seven if they keep winning. Yes. Yes. Wow, yes, if they okay. finish on a nine-game winning streak. You're gonna look at the you're you're gonna look at the records at the end of the season. They and don't you're laugh. Like, They've already won They've like won five, five or six in a row. Yeah, they right. won five already. So yeah. they're ha- they're over halfway there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I think the hire makes sense for Tech, and I'm actually very excited about it. Uh, are you concerned at all about the lack of experience yes. at the top of this? Yes, staff? I am. First yes. time uh, head coach, first time DC, OC, only one year of play. And experience. and both OCs are like. Six or seven years younger than me. That's crazy. Both I'm coordinators. not that old. Or, yeah, both yes, coordinators. Yeah. yeah, not both OCs. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the biggest concern about out of the staff he's building is your concern that you'll be sitting here two or three years from now and they've been repeatedly schooled by older, more experienced guys. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to insult Tech's coaches. I know that they know their football. Yeah. And some people, we were talking about this at lunch, some people when they're young are good when they're young. Some of it, it takes a little time and you have to see some things. You know, these guys might be uh, – savants you know they might be the most awesome coaching staff ever but i'm just saying that the youth is a concern and Stu holt coaching special teams maybe bringing some of the experience that you would need on that staff plenty of experience and you know he can slide in on offense at either tight ends or running backs yep. depending on the other offensive coaches that are hired my best guess right now is he would probably coach running backs and bowen would coach tight ends uh, otherwise the only other position bowen would be coaching was uh, is offensive line and i don't want the offensive coordinator coaching the entire offensive yeah. line i don't think that's ideal we tried that once so you don't see him as a as a special teams coach or is he going to do For most special well, teams she does special teams and tight ends. Yeah, yeah yeah okay i mean there are some schools that have just a special teams coach but not very many He's going to spend part of the practice not doing anything. Well, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So those are the two new additions to the coaching staff. Again, we'll keep getting those rolling in. But Bowen, again, not officially announced, but it looks like he'll be the OC. Stu Holt will coach special teams. And then, like Chris So does said, that mean Herb Hand is out? They're not hiring Herb Hand? Remember doesn't when, sound the, like it. Oh, man. I know you were looking forward to your Mr. Hand jokes. Mr. Hand, and he raps. He raps. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a fun hire for sure. Uh, let's check on the YouTube comments. Katie, any good questions in the chat today? Yeah, two good questions today. The first one comes from Joe Davis. He asks, quantity over quality, which is more important if you had to pick one for this class? 247 has VT fourth in the ACC based on grade total, but eighth based on average player grade. I, I, I would First of all, average player grade. Tech signed the kicker, and most teams don't. 
So tax kicker that they sign is knocking that grade down quite a bit. You have to. T- It'd be interesting to do the math to, on that. To do the math yeah. on that, and I'm not going to let decimal points change how I view a recruiting class, whether it's an eight point six seven four or eight point seven four one two. I don't know how you come up with stuff like that. I honestly think if the whole ranking system once you get past the top seventy five or hundred is utterly ridiculous. Now uh, I will but, say this: North Carolina is an average of I think ninety one. Mm-hmm. And tech is an average of like 86 and a half. Mm-hmm. In the 24-7 system, that's a significant difference yes. in, in average recruit ranking. Yeah. Um, There's not a huge difference between 87 and a half and 86 and a half, but that extra five points, that's a big difference. We need to, tech needs to build culture. They signed three state, three straight top 25 classes when Justin Fuente was, signed, was first hired. And everybody said, oh, recruiting's great. You know, wait till he, get, wait till he develops these guys and coaches them up. And guess what? Yeah. They all went six and six. They're five and six and six and six and barely making bowls and losing to UVA, right? With top with with, with what is considered good recruiting classes. Yeah. So whether it's a eight point six seven four or a eight point eight nine two player develops way more important to me. I remember a time where I thought they were going to be stocked at receiver oh, forever. Of course, it looked like it. And then they either didn't play or couldn't wait to hit the transfer portal, <laughs> you know, or some combination. And, and like, and you're like, oh, man, all these quarterbacks were signing. It's like, like, yeah, a couple of these guys are going to hit the portal, and it's going to be, but it's going to be because they lost out to an awesome player, right? Turns out that wasn't the case, and then the guy who did transfer became a much better player somewhere else, right? So there's all these things that that you think recruiting rankings are telling you, right? Uh, what, what, where did North Carolina's top ten classes get them this year? Six and six. And, six and, and by and the six. way, I fully admit that they're they're not doing a very good job coaching them up yet. No, you know, I've, I've, I've read. I heard they a, may never. I heard a story one time. Like, well, like, I've I've watched Matt Brown on the sideline. And I've sat behind the UNC bench on the front row and watched him not coach. Right. He just claps his hands and everything like that. And that's what Dre Bly does. I've heard Dre Bly does not do very much coaching. And, and I, I forget where I heard this or read this, but like somebody who sat behind the bench at a UNC game, it's like during a game, Dre Bly is like making eye contact. He's, getting rec- recruits he's recruiting in the stands during games. Yeah. Like, why don't you try to win the game <laughs> instead of winning signing day? Yeah, you guy uh, like, just got beat by a double move. You should be out there coaching him. Right, right. So, um, I, I just, I don't. Never mind. So that, we'll that's, see. that's totally separate. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And then this last question is for you, Chris. It's from Paul Jarman. He asks, "You've referenced the differences in schemes a few times. What are some of the basic differences between Prize defense and Hamilton, other than four three versus four two five? Um, as I understand it. We're going back to twitch with defensive linemen. Um, you know, the, Brent Pry learned defense from Bud Foster, so you would expect him to adapt certain Bud as Foster, a GA. A, as a GA, as you you expect him to adopt certain things that he learned from Bud Foster, and that is defensive linemen with a lot of quickness who can hit gaps, and not necessarily guys who occupy blocks. That was the trend. It was that was the direction we were trending to a certain extent under Hamilton. Was all about length and everything like that, and uh, and so you know, and I think Penn State's a program that that can recruit length and twitch, and they've had some of that. But I, I don't know. We'll see if Tech can can do that or not. But uh, there are some guys in the program right now that that were recruited into Hamilton's scheme, and quite frankly, I think there's a couple defensive linemen in this particular recruiting class that were recruited to Hamilton's scheme that I don't think are great fits for Brent Price's scheme, and I'm not going to say who they are. 
on the podcast because I think they might figure it out soon and stuff soon enough once they get into the program. But uh, so it's it's tough. It's you do, you have another transition, and this is what I was worried about. You know, like you transition from from Frank Beamer to Justin Fuente, and then you trans transition from Bud Foster to Justin Hamilton, and now now you transition from both those guys to a new head coach and a new defensive coordinator. That's a lot of transition in six years. Yeah, so, so there are defensive players in this program that they're about to be on their third defensive coordinator. Like there are players that's going to benefit and there are players that it's not going to benefit. I think Norrell Pollard could be a guy that it could benefit. I thought he was great as a true freshman in Virginia Tech scheme. I really thought he really excelled, but I never thought he was a very good fit. For, for the scheme that we ran under, under but he Justin still played Hamilton. fairly but he still well. played because it takes it takes a few years to, to recruit and develop defensive tackles into a scheme like that into into the scheme Hamilton was uh was employing um and you got to remember like Justin Hamilton only played defense for one year under Bud Foster he played more he's played more defense in the NFL and at other colleges than he ever had he played running back and wide receiver from for most of his career and until, safety until his fifth year yeah yeah in his fifth year he was a safety yeah right um. So yeah, that that's so you're going to see some different philosophies up front and how defensive linemen are used. I think is my basic understanding of it. Um, I'm waiting for Brandon Pass Patterson to do more research and and confirm that and and everything. But uh, it'll be more attack style, like like a Bud Foster defense. And if you want to run an attack style defense, you know you need really quick defensive linemen that, that can shoot the gaps. Yeah, so so here's the way I think of it. Uh, picture a, a defensive lineman, whether it's a tackle or an end. He engages the blocker. If he's a tall guy, he engages the blocker, watches the quarterback, mm-hmm. sticks the hand up when yeah. the quarterback throws it versus a twitch guy who's shorter, and he's not going to stand there and raise his hand. He's going to try to blow past that offensive lineman and get in the quarterback's face and disrupt the play that way. Yeah, I, I would say so. And that that's why, like, Braylon Moore, I never would have thought about him playing defensive tackle and Justin Hamill. Because he's 6'3"? Six, 6'1 six, Okay, probably. right. You know, yeah. just, just like his brother. And to me, he just looks like a Bud Foster defensive tackle, which to me makes him – you know, I think he can play defensive tackle for Brent Pry. I'm not saying he can't play offensive line for Tech because I think he's got he'd have a chance to be a good one there. But it's like yeah. changing defensive schemes opened up that possibility. Uh, and so, like when I say Gunnar Givens is likely to end up on the offensive line, I, I would have said 50-50 this past summer when Tech still had Justin Hamilton. But I, I don't know that that Gunnar Givens is exactly what Pry would, would look for on on the defensive line. Yeah. I don't know that he's not. We'll see once once he gets here and you see him in person and everything like that. Um, so I, I I think it it sucks that that here you are you're in another transition of what type of defensive lineman to recruit. And I well as you pointed out, it was a double transition for the defensive coaching correct. staff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here we are. I yeah. mean, it was just two summers ago. Or gosh, I, I guess. Right after the 2019 season ended and Bud retired, I started writing about. Look at all these guys we're we're we're, we're recruiting. Like we're recruiting Matthias Carroll. We're recruiting Cole uh, Nelson. Uh, yeah, the, the Jennings kid out of Richmond, and they're all all these defensive ends that are six three, anywhere from six three to six six. And I'm like, this is a, this is the type of guys we're going to be going after. Um, not that we don't want a six six guy with 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 twitch. Of course we do. Those guys generally go to like three or four different schools. Right. 
Um, <clears throat> so now you're, so you, like I would say that like it will impact on which it will impact which recruits you take. Like I think Bryson Jennings, I really wanted him for Justin Hamilton's scheme. Really want. I think he would have been a great fit for Justin Hamilton's scheme. I don't think he's a great fit for Brent Pry's scheme. And I know his dad went to Tech, and not a lot of people would want to hear that and yeah. everything. But uh, <clears throat> So it, I, I think it's very important for Virginia Tech to not take in-state prospects just for the sake of taking Virginia kids. I, I think you, you have to make sure you get your schematic fit correctly on defense, which is what Bud Foster did for years and why he was successful. So, sounds totally random, but I was listening to Katie type, and I was thinking we forgot to mention that Hunter McLean did send in his LOI. He did, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mentioned that coming out of the break, that he McLean did. officially signed. So, we have we are at 19 now, and I believe that's it. Hokies football tweeted out a summary. So, Malachi Madison did not sign his LOI today. Correct. Oh, okay. Right. Defensive tackle Malachi Madison. Correct. Mm. Interesting. Uh, and then we also – we already have – uh, confirmation two uh, commits are going to be waiting back uh, until the end. I wrote this down somewhere. Xavier Chaplin. Xavier Chaplin is one. Mm-hmm. Daquan Wright. Daquan, Daquan, Daquan Wright. Wright. Is the other. And I don't blame those guys. You know, they, they, they want to see for sure that ta- like if you're if you're Daquan Wright, he's a tight end. Yeah, and, and you or, or he's also like a hybrid wide receiver type. He actually plays wide receiver in high school. Yeah. So you're you're gonna wait and see who your coaches are gonna be. I wish Ramon Brown had waited. But at the same time, like Maryland's probably telling Ramon Brown, look, you've got your spot now, but we can't guarantee you it's going to be here in the February. Mike Lockley is a yeah. good recruiter, man. He, he knows what that. to say. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I don't blame those guys. Yep. Continuing yeah, to feed into the thought that you think there should just be one signing Absolutely. day in February I know. When, when everybody's got their staff set. My reasons are personal. <laughs> to to put us, us and, and I include coaching staffs in this too, to put everybody through the work of a football season mm-hmm. and that ends and you're immediately into the work of signing day two weeks later with now, a coaching change in between no <laughs> that we, is exhausting we did get it easy this year normally there's always a basketball game on signing day whether it's in december or february you're always like yep there's gonna be a basketball <laughs> game I mean, those days suck but they did not schedule a basketball game thank you mike young for not scheduling a basketball right. game tonight well, we do have a basketball game coming up Friday, uh, St. Bonaventure in Charlotte. Uh, but you guys deserve a nice little break uh, after after signing day and the coaching change. Uh, what's coming up on Tech Sideline, Chris? I don't know. Well, Chris, <laughs> Chris has got a huge article today about recruiting that's really interesting. Yes. Yeah. And remember, he talked about breaking down the top 10 in state in 2016, 2017, and 2018. Right. That's interesting reading. I'll do a Friday q and um, I'm sure David will do a basketball game preview. Or will you? Yeah, he said yes. Yeah, David is going to the St. Bonaventure. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. He's going to the St. Bonaventure game. Um, we'll figure something out. I've been so I've been I spent all week writing my article, which is huge for today, that I haven't had a chance to think about anything past today. Yes, no. lots of prep for signing day, um, and then yes, foot or excuse me, basketball on Friday, St. Bonaventure. More signing day stuff from David Cunningham today, and then is there any women's games this weekend? They, they, they play, play somebody. somebody. Chris Hirons will let you know who they play, uh, and he'll have a recap of that game on TechSideline.com oh, as well. At, at, Florida State. at Florida State. is that That's their ACC opener, I believe. So ACC opener for women's basketball I at Florida I think State. I need to update the next game info at the top of the women's basketball message board. I may have been a little wrapped up in this signing day oh, stuff. And then there's the journeyman wrestling stuff starting next month. 
Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yes. Sponsored by the nobody Sacramento heard Training that. Center. By the way, uh, Journeyman Wrestling uh, starting on Sunday for Virginia Tech Wrestling again, trying to keep that momentum rolling. Top ten program in the country right now. So lots coming up for Virginia Tech athletics. But you guys can can at least. Uh, Take your foot off the gas of the football train here for a little bit uh, until the bowl game comes Right. Up. So here's the pitch. Um, like the video. Subscribe to us on yeah. YouTube. And also um, subscribe to the website. Go to techsideline.com and, and there's a sign-up link up in, up in the upper right-hand corner. Um, and remember, the first month of a monthly subscription is free and student subscriptions are free. So uh, um, I recommend just taking out a monthly subscription, reading Chris's article, and going through the message boards and uh, see what you think. I might take tomorrow off. Of course, if I do that, he'll probably hire a bunch of coaches and announce them tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, just be, a, be around. Yeah. Be available. Well, at least National Signing Day is over. Most of the work for recruiting is done. Could see some changes heading into that February signing date as well. But that will wrap us up here on episode 216 of the Tech Sideline podcast, recapping National Signing Day. I want to thank all of you for listening and watching, and thank everybody on set. Will Stewart, founder and general manager of TechSideline.com, at WillStewartTSL on Twitter. Chris Coleman, at ChrisColemanTSL on Twitter, lead analyst and columnist for TechSideline. Again, go check out that article up on TechSideline.com right now for more in-depth analysis on signing day. In the fourth chair, Katie Adams always does a great job, and be sure to check her out on Around the ACC on TechSideline as well. Episode two of that coming out this week, I believe. So Today. Today, coming out today. <laughs> so check that one out later on. You can find her at Katie6Adams on Twitter. Malcolm Stewart, as always, working hard behind the scenes as he has all week getting ready for national signing day appreciate him i'm your host jake lyman signing off enjoy the weekend enjoy the basketball games folks we'll see you next time